When you have the right recon process in place, it's easy to stay ahead of the game. Put your recon on cruise control today with iRecon, the solution built directly in Viato that obliterates recon inefficiencies and accelerates your used car sales. Visit viato.com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, where to start with Tesla this year? Snagging the U.S. luxury crown, opening new factories, and a CEO that, well... In the process of this First Amendment wokeism and now publishing a bunch of insider information from Twitter, it's just getting into a really complicated soup of controversial ideas that they're saying, you know, over time could taint the brand while the competition is rolling in, right? We'll take a look back at the year Tesla had in 2022 with automotive news reporter Lawrence Iliff. Lonnie Eiliff, welcome back to Daily Drive. It's great to be here. So this is part of our year in review series. Of course, we have you here to talk about Tesla, uh, one of the companies you focus on uh, the most. And when we think about the year in review, when we look back at 2022 in history, it's the year that Tesla took over the luxury market in the U.S. Absolutely. You know, last year... Tesla was on the heels of BMW. Uh, BMW, you know, pulled it off, according to the data that that we saw. It, it was closed, but in January, once we got the January data, it was no longer closed. Tesla had run away with it. You know, they've been expanding their volume, and during the course of the year, every single month, uh, they've been expanding their lead over the other luxury players because all the luxury brands, except for Genesis and Tesla are falling in terms of deliveries. And so with that 50% increase in sales every month, you know, Tesla's just running away with it. You know, we've been tracking the new vehicle registrations. Most months you write that story and we really saw it last year. You know, BMW had the big lead. Tesla was gaining fast on them at the end. Couldn't quite catch them by the end of December. Uh, But they've just, like you said, they've just dominated, you know, month after month, all year long. And, you know, I guess part of it, one of the things we've had to address with our audience, right, is, well, is Tesla really a luxury brand? They've had, you know, build quality problems. Some people don't like the design. It's it's too Spartan. Uh, But I mean, to me, I'm the executive editor, right? So I get to decide sort of. But I mean, to me, it's like you look at the prices. You look at who's buying them. You look at what else those people buy. There aren't a whole lot of Prius buyers, you know, who drop that off to buy a, a Model Y or a Model S. It's more often somebody with a, you know, Mercedes S-Class sedan. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you look at like who's comparison shopping, right, you know, Edmunds and other people have helped, helped us out with that data. It's a luxury car. They're comparing it to BMWs mostly, right, not mm-hmm. on the fringes. And also, you know, I think it's really interesting, like what defines luxury, right? I think for a long time, it's been like more leather and, you know, more wood and, you know, real metal. And, you know, we've had, you know, test drive cars that manufacturers give us. And after a while, it's just kind of like, you know, ho-hum. And I think, you know, with technology, the iPhone and computers and all that, I think that the new luxury is this tech luxury, right? Right. Teslas are still nice cars. They have nice, comfortable seats. 
you know, they have, you know, the, the basic luxury stuff, but then they have this screen and this great software and it changes and you get your Christmas holiday update. And, you know, that's luxury. My sister went from a Mercedes SUV to a Model X SUV and she's never made any comment. Oh, it's less luxurious or where's my Corinthian leather or whatever. She's <laughs> like, I love this car. Yeah, no, and you're right. The over-the-air updates, I mean, it's a value add uh, that is something that makes people feel special. And that's really what a luxury product is supposed to do. Absolutely. You can watch movies in your car. You can play video games in your car. Now you can have Zoom conferences with the camera in the car and the big screen in the car. And it sounds like little things, but once you have a 100 little things... You know, Tesla has a thing called a toy box where you can go in there and, and, you know, get your little toys out and do your light show for Christmas or whatever. It's And it changes constantly. It's like your iPhone. Look, there's a new update. I have these new cool things to play with. I think that that's how we're defining luxury. And, you know, it comes from Silicon Valley. It comes from all that. But to me, it just makes sense, right, that we're in a new era. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of arguments against it. And I guess one of them, what's what's becoming the most compelling is just the volume. This company has grown so big and it's growing so fast. It's like, gosh, if you're making 2 million vehicles a year, can they all really be luxury? Uh, maybe they will be, right? I mean, look at, at, at what they're doing. But let's get back to the, let's talk about the growth, right? Because they went from the one plant in California that used to be the new me, the GM Toyota joint venture, bought it for a song in the Great Recession, finally opened this plant in China that kind of doubled global capacity and then doubled again, effectively adding the factories in Germany and Texas in 2022. How's that going? You know, it's going pretty well, right? Um, there's always some caveats when plants are ramping up, but you know, um, they say they have, you know, Fremont at like half a million. China had a big expansion to you know, over 800,000. I think they're projecting it to get to like a million, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, they just said recently, Tesla, that um, both Germany and Texas were at a 3,000 vehicle per week run rate, which is 150,000 per year. 150, yep. Right. And they're going to get to they're going to get higher. Right. They're going to get up to about double that. Or, you know, I mean, they're always thinking about expanding. But let's say that they sell one point five million this year globally. Right. And the idea, I think, is two million for next year. And so, you know, I mean, it's 50 percent growth and it's uh, they're executing on it. You know, I, I've read that they're maybe a little constrained in Germany. I know there's some water supply issues and maybe a little more community environmental roadblocks or challenges to some of what they want to do. Uh, but still, that plant is off the ground and on and on its way. And, and in Texas, it looks like they're looking to keep building out and expanding. And you've also been doing some reporting about maybe looking at a plant in Mexico. Yeah, that's really interesting because... Um, you know, Musk at the beginning of the year when they were in the euphoria over, you know, opening the plants and the luxury and everything, he had said that, you know, they may have some plant announcements by the end of the year, right? 
He entered uh, Canada too, right? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, yeah Mexico said, and Canada I mean, have both been in the. He run. said, you know, specifically that he was interested in North America, right, including Mexico and Canada, right? And there were, I think, some talks with the provincial government in Canada, you know, that we wrote about. But more, more recently, I mean, just in the last week or so, it looks like the Mexico component is firming up in the sense that. Mexican government officials are like saying privately, you know, because they like to, they like to get the spotlight. We're doing this great thing for our state or our country, right? And I think it's unclear whether it's going to start out as an assembly plant. You know, Mm. Mexico builds a lot of cars and exports a lot of cars, but the parts industry is actually bigger than the assembly, you know, assembled vehicle industry. And so, Tesla, because it's vertically integrated and wants to continue to do that, right? They can make a lot of different parts for their vehicles in Mexico, see how it goes, right? And then maybe scale up to an assembly plant once that's part of the project, right? Once that 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 timeline comes into place for whatever they're going to build there, right? Whether it's a, a cheaper version, which would make sense, you know, costs are lower in Mexico. So if they want to build a, a $25,000 or $30,000 car. You know, Musk said that the robo-taxi would be built in Texas. So it's probably not the robo-taxi, but also from Mexico, remember, you can export anywhere, almost anywhere. You can even export to China from Mexico if you wanted to. I mean, you probably wouldn't want to in this case. And so, you know, but they have those free trade. They have free trade agreements all over the world. Mexico is very well positioned for that. South America. They keep having to renegotiate the deal with Brazil, which is the big market, but they keep renegotiating it so that Mexico and Brazil can have cars going back and forth. And so it really does open up a lot of doors for Tesla outside of the U.S. They could obviously send cars here, but they could send cars to 30 countries or something in Latin America. So the year started off pretty great for Tesla. They, they were dominating luxury. They're opening new plants, growing like crazy. And then there's been some some more setbacks since then. I mean, a, a delay to the Cybertruck. Of course, more recently, uh, Elon Musk getting uh, sucked into Twitter, being forced to buy it after having uh, said that he wanted to and then getting forced to do it. And that kind of seems like it's been a big distraction. But let's let's hit on the product for a little bit. You mentioned the RoboTaxi I mentioned the Cybertruck. Where are we on new products? I mean, it seems like they've had this uh, so-called sexy lineup, the four-vehicle lineup, for years now. Yeah, the last one was um, the Model Y, right, in 2020, right at, you know, when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the Cybertruck's a big one because it was just such a big production when they announced it, you know, $40,000, And it was really going to take on the F-150. It was going to be the first to market. You know, they were really going to get out in front of this with this truck. And then, you know, I think that they realized that, you know, it's harder to build a truck from the ground up. And they have a lot of ambitions. And Elon Musk has said they keep adding stuff to it. It's going to be cooler and cooler and cooler, right? And that means more expensive and more expensive and more expensive. They've given up on the $40,000 starting price. And so I think that maybe that Cybertruck, especially at the beginning, like the first couple of years, is going to be more like Rivian territory mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, a or Hummer, Hummer yeah. territory. Yeah. A lifestyle, lifestyle truck. Yeah. Hummer, 
um, if they have like the quad motor design and then the three motor, two motor, maybe they will have the one motor. The thing is, you know, Elon Musk said that this year was going to be about volume, right? Mm -hmm. About getting from 1 million to 1.5. And um, next year is going to be about new models. I mean, they did kind of sneak in the semi truck with, you know, 26 or whatever it was to Frito-Lay, Pepsi Co. Frito-Lay. You know, but people aren't really counting that because, you know, the, the semi may not be a big money maker. It has a big battery. It steals battery from their other vehicles. So the semi is kind of not really a big part of their product portfolio right now. But people really want to see the Cybertruck and people really want to see a $25,000 or $30,000 Tesla. And they keep hinting that they're holding something back, that there's a secret project and a secret vehicle and they don't want to talk about it too much so we'll see but i think it'd be really logical to have the cyber truck up at the high end and then something down lower at the lower end it's been confusing because he had originally talked about i mean the back to the master plan right it was starting with a hundred thousand dollar luxury sedan in a model s and going down market down market down market you know of course the model three was supposed to be like thirty thousand dollars it's rarely had a sticker price uh, that starts with a three, you know, and it's really priced just where it belongs in the market. You know, it's 55 grand. It's, it's like a five, you know, BMW five series. And then he raised the question, I think it was earlier this year that, well, maybe it isn't practical to do a 25 or $30,000 car, because if we can perfect automated driving, people can just hire robo taxis and it'll cost them less and give them more value than buying a average priced uh, electric vehicle. And of course, that's been a lot of setbacks for full self-driving uh, and as a broader concept, not the capital FSD Tesla product that is really more of a driver assist. Um, but if you're going to use something as a robo taxi, I mean, more setbacks than steps forward in the nascent robo taxi industry. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, Musk said earlier this year that he would be shocked or surprised if a Tesla vehicle using the FSD software couldn't drive better than a human by the end of this year, right? Mm-hmm. And people post YouTube videos all the time of them using the software. It's it's had a much bigger rollout, right? So many more people have it. And there's many, many, many videos and you can look at them and some of them, it looks really cool. And some of them, it can't go down the street. Right. Mm -hmm. And so obviously, you know, if you, you balance that out, it's not driving better from a human. If it stops in the middle of the street, you know, after a block or two or, or tries to hit a pedestrian or whatever, I mean, whatever you say about humans driving, right. They can generally get to 7-Eleven and back without some catastrophic thing happening. I do see some videos out there, though, with some humans doing some pretty stupid things behind the wheel. So yeah, uh, it, it goes. But but always from the beginning, it was like, well, I mean, he was saying quite a while ago, he thought it was better than a human or as good as a human. But it's how many times better than a human does a robot have to be? Because we don't accept failure from a system we can't control because there's nothing we can do to improve it. Right. As the, as the passenger or the driver, or the so-called you know, the, as the owner, you know, as the person putting the address into an app, yeah. <laughs> there's like, I can't do anything to make it yeah. not, you know, run a red light if it's, if the program is faulty. And in some ways that's part of the problem is you make it so safe 
that the car gives up and says, I can't figure this out, take over. And then you don't have full self-driving anymore. And that's kind of what you see with, with some of the, as they rolled it out to more people, the software, you know, anecdotally has gotten safer. And so the Tesla software is telling people, I can't do this. I can't figure out, you know, take over the wheel or it just gets stuck at a stop sign. And so obviously you can't have robo taxis that can't function without a human, right? They're supposed to be able to sit in the back seat. And so, you know, I don't know about this plan of having these robo taxis, you know, in a year or two in mass production, you know, 2024, unless the software just goes through some kind of a, you know, a massive leap through some, you know, progress in the computer programming or the software or the hardware or who knows. Coming up, Jamie and Lonnie talk more about Tesla's year in 2022, including CEO Elon Musk's Twitter takeover and what it might mean for the EV maker going forward. That's next on Daily Drive. Warning, your reconditioning process needs attention. Unexpected shortages and delays can throw off even the most routine recon work, slowing your sales and eating into your bottom line. Identify and fix reconditioning inefficiencies to turn your inventory faster with iRecon. This reconditioning solution, built directly in V-Auto, keeps you in control of your service department and puts your recon on cruise control. With real-time alerts and reports, iRecon helps you get ahead of potential issues before they become costly problems. You'll be able to track who's doing the work and how long tasks are taking, see the status of any vehicle in an instant, and make adjustments where needed. And it's all done in an easy-to-use dashboard you can customize to fit your workflow. Obliterate inefficiencies and accelerate your used car sales only with iRecon. Run your personal recon diagnostics with us today and put your process on cruise control. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. Hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. We're listening to my conversation with automotive news reporter Lonnie Iliff about Tesla's year in 2022 and what's ahead for the world's leading luxury EV maker. Here's more of our conversation. Of course, this back end of the year has, uh, has been really a story of distraction, right? Because Elon Musk went out and bought Twitter for $44 billion. It's not an inconsequential sum. So naturally, he's trying to uh, put some effort into make, into fixing it, making it work better, making it profitable. And it is a big distraction. It's not easy running a giant social, <laughs> social media network. And it, it must be, and I think the perception at least of investors, is that it must be taking time away from Tesla, which is a proven moneymaker. Yeah, I think there's there's kind of two points that, you know, I've seen a lot like, you know, following this along like day by day on Twitter and everything. And it seemed like in the past it was like Tesla's doing great. And Elon Musk, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's a dramatic guy, right? 
you know, he has some very pointed opinions about, you know, automated technology and other automakers and getting to Mars. And I think as long as, as I think as long as those distractions weren't like eating into any core part of Tesla, you know, he's a brilliant, he's a brilliant guy. He's a genius. He's executing. We talked about it. Tops in luxury, expanding factories, you know, managing the supply chain, growing when everybody's shrinking. And I think what happened with the, with the Twitter thing is, kind of a big a sea change right there was there was something that happened and he did a poll believe it or not on twitter should i buy twitter right people said yeah go for it and it just seems like it's kind of consumed him and and with the twitter thing the twitter thing is intertwined with this kind of this new political activism not that it wasn't there before but it was kind of here and there you know he was kind of pissed at Biden that Biden wasn't giving Tesla enough credit and inviting them to summits and stuff. And he kind of, you know, got into that. And he's, you know, partially right, obviously, you know, Tesla wasn't if being you're celebrating EVs. You should yeah. acknowledge Tesla, which is based in the U.S. and the world's leading EV company. If Absolutely. you're just trying to celebrate union made EVs, then you should be straightforward about it being a union event, not an EV event. Right. And it was it was getting silly. It was, it was obviously Biden would have an event and talk about EVs and wouldn't say the word Tesla. Right. Uh, so it kind of started there, but then it kind of got into, you know, the thing about how he, you know, he didn't want his taxes to go up. He thought the tax thing was too much, which is fair. That's kind of a mainstream idea. Right. But then he got into, you know, the woke mind virus and wokeism is the biggest threat to society. We can't survive as a society without wokeism. And I don't even know how to define wokeism because I think people have different ideas about it. But, you know, we have a general idea. And then he said, you know, vote for Republicans in the midterms, which, you know, obviously that's fine, but it is a divisive thing, right? Because, you know, whether we're a 50-50 nation or whatever the exact numbers are, right? It's a big divisive thing in the country for a CEO to come out. And so while he was doing controversial CEO things, people were, well, that's okay because he's a good CEO. But now he's crossed into like the political realm. And, you know, we've talked to people and we've written articles saying that it could be a real image hit for Tesla over time if it, you know, gets this, you know, image as the, as the Republican brand or whatever. Yeah, yeah, because it's not just even, you know, Republicans and Democrats, and and yeah, you maybe who's, who's more buying more EVs? Uh, maybe he's picking the wrong horse that way, but he's he's got a luxury product, so whatever. But you know, it's not just Republicans and Democrats; it's Donald Trump, and he brought Donald Trump back onto Twitter. But you know, Trumpism is not just old-fashioned Republicanism, you know, and lower taxes. It's you know the January 6th committee just recommended him for, you know, four charges, including insurrection. And he, it's you right. know, this guy who says yeah. Yeah. we don't yeah. really need the Constitution if it's going to get in the way of getting elected. And, you know, that's a it's a bigger disruption than just, yeah. you know, yeah. Bush versus Gore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he, he also he also reinstated the count of the uh, an avowed neo-Nazi who runs Daily Stormer, which is like, you know, probably the most famous, you know, neo-Nazi, you know, website, right? And so that's in the name of free speech. He has his justification. Obviously, we're not saying Elon Musk 
has anything to do with those extreme views. But in the process of this First Amendment wokeism and now going after, you know, publishing a bunch of insider information from Twitter on Hunter Biden and the laptop, it's just getting into a really complicated soup of controversial ideas that they're saying, you know, over time could taint the brand while the competition is rolling in, right? That's that's the risk, right? If you're a Tesla shareholder, you might be frustrated that, hey, you're politicizing this brand, which is inherently going to exclude some people or drive away some would-be customers at a time when the rest of the industry is trying so hard to catch up and make more good EVs to offer. Right. And you're, you're abandoning kind of Tesla and, you know, looking out for Tesla because you have this new crusade about, you know, wokeism or whatever. And it's just, you know, running a business and getting involved in like controversial political issues on a daily business you generally don't go hand in hand. That's why, you know, we don't hear, you know, Jim Farley or Mary Barra, you know, talking about how they feel about subjects. They may feel similar to Elon Musk or whatever, but we don't know and therefore we don't care and it doesn't affect our product decisions, right? But I don't want to overstate it because obviously, you know, there's been cases in which brands have been tainted and then they've come back strong. So, you know, that might happen too, but it's kind of this daily thing and you see his most ardent supporters his, you know, some of his biggest investors saying, please stop. Well, we don't know how it's going to play out, but we know we'll be watching it all through 2023. Look forward to your coverage. Lonnie Iliff covers well-funded EV startups, Tesla, Rivian, and Lucid. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you and happy holidays. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on Tesla and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a look on the year in mobility, tech, and innovation. We'll look at EVs, autonomous vehicles, and other technologies that could shape the future of the auto industry. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.